What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. Danny Canel and Raja Bell. If you wonder if you're watching here why I'm on my phone, Raja, you're probably like, why are you ignoring me? Texting somebody? I'm good. You know what I can't stand? In today's environment, there's so much security issues. Two-way verification. Oh. So what I am doing, I am signing into my account so that I, I it like literally, as we're doing the thing, it just kicked me off. I have yep. no idea why it kicked me offline. So I just want to sign back in so I can pull up our rundown, get our show like yeah, that would up be to helpful. Date. Yeah, that would be helpful. But I'm having to do dual, so it has to text me a code. Okay. Like hackers yeah. are the worst. They like, are the they worst. They ruin a lot for well, us. In you're, life. you're lucky that your two-way verification goes to only that phone, apparently, <laughs> because my two-way verification for our family plan. That two second verification could go to any number of devices. Right. So I'm waiting for it. I don't get it. I gotta call my wife. Did she get it? I gotta call my son. Did he get it? And it's on an iPad somewhere right. in the kitchen. Right. So right. you don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's going. All right. Good news is I am back up and running. Yeah. We have a big show uh, to get to. Jamie Eisenberg's gonna join us in about 15 minutes for all your fantasy needs. These guys do a fantastic job. He's one of the best in the business. To to yeah. Jamie, you're gonna I hijack really the segment. I have a feeling it's not gonna be about any of the big picture stuff. Yeah. It's just gonna be about your I lineup. Some concern which, I need to pick up. <laughs> Which I'm okay with. We can do that. We're going to get deeper into college football today as uh, Coach Ogeron is making some pretty interesting comments about the game at Texas. We'll dive into that. But first, Monday Night Football with a double header. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start off with the late game, actually, because it was the last thing we saw. Saved my gambling weekend. I took the Raiders on the money line, figuring yeah. home field. Everybody's not giving them a chance. Who the heck knows what Joe Flacco is going to do with the Broncos? They get the win at home. And what do you think everybody wanted to ask John Gruden about after the game? Was it the win at home? Of course. How no? No, of course not. It was not the win at home. It was one Antonio Brown. Here was his response afterwards. What happened here the last couple days may may have been, um, you know, big news to some. But uh, there were no distractions. I think you could tell that tonight. Our team is ready to roll. I'm never going to bring it up again. Uh, that incident, whatever you call it, had nothing to do with, with our team's focus or preparation. Um, that's it. End of story. Sorry. As much as people talk about it, I mean, my God. I mean, I, I feel like someone's smashing my temple on the side of the head. Get over it, man. It's over. You know, we, we, we were good this preseason without him. You know, we're going to be fine without him. And we wish him the best. But, um, you know, we gave it a shot. And uh, now New England gets their turn. Good luck to them. But I, I just can't, uh, I can't, I can't deal with it anymore, really. Sorry. <laughs> All I will say is thank goodness they won. Yeah. Because could you imagine, like, he's able to smile there because you feel good about yourselves. I don't think he's going to be quite so, like, I thought he was pretty patient with the media. Because sure. clearly he didn't. Like, I expected more of a Ben Roethlisberger. You see Ben Roethlisberger asked about there. He goes, they asked him about Antonio Brown. He's like, whatever. Like, literally, he said, whatever. Right. And just moved on. Didn't address it. If they had not won, I would imagine Gruden would have had a different response there. And as far as I'm not going to address it ever again, maybe you don't have to address it in the near future. But he's going to get asked about it again. They're probably going to do a 30 for 30 on it down the road. So yep. you're going to have to relive all of this. And there is some of this. That makes John Gruden look bad. And it makes Mike Mayock look bad. Either you were duped, um, you signed up for this mess, you weren't able to keep him there, but it does not look good for the Raiders, and it's not a good reflection on John Gruden, the hundred million dollar head coach for the Raiders. Yeah. Um I, I look, I know you have to answer the questions, but I don't even like what he said isn't even true. It was a distraction. Um right. it, it it did uh take over your camp. Like there was there was yes, you won and it appeared your team was able to compartmentalize and get the dub anyway, despite all of that. But to say that it had no effect on your team um and it wasn't a distraction for you, I I don't think that's being completely forthright either. Um but yeah, I said it before. 
AB acted like a a a spoiled child the whole time he was there. It was it was a really embarrassing display. But as the Oakland Raiders, you were the ones that went in and got that. You were the ones that gave up the draft picks for that. You were the ones that locked that into a $30 million guarantee. You all are the ones that thought that you can handle that personality. So when it fails, for whatever reason, whoever's fault, it is going to be on you to some degree. You are going to look bad for not being able to you know, make that work. And I think that's fair also. I think it's absolutely fair. When you look at the entire situation, we talked about it yesterday. Jerry Rice uh, went on a radio show and said he thinks it was all planned out. At some point, I do think there was a concerted effort. I don't think it was the entire offseason. I think there was a time when Antonio Brown was like, let me see how this works. I'm going to go all in. He's you know, talking about being a Raider. He's silver and black. He's working out with Derek Carr. And I think it probably was at the point where he started getting fined, which was very late in the game, that he started saying, this team's trying to do this to me. And there was a... I don't love this marriage anymore. And somebody, maybe it was Drew Rosenhaus, probably was a mastermind behind, all right, if you don't want to play there, there is a way out. They can cut you. Because I think he wasn't aware he could lose some of those guarantees. Right. And when he realized, "Uh uh-oh, those are in danger, I think it was, let's explore all avenues. Oh, the Patriots, maybe I can go there. Then let me sabotage this thing. Yeah. You know, because then he did hire this filmmaker to make this video. He did hire this social media company to, you know, supposedly make this the way out. Um, so I do, I believe at some point it was a concerted effort, but I don't think it was the whole time. I, I don't really know what to believe about this. <laughs> I, I really don't. I don't, I don't, I, you know, from day to day, I, I swing as to like what side of the fence I, I I'm on with this. Uh, you know, I do think. The interesting part of it for me is kind of the fans reaction to the way it was handled. Like, and I've heard, um, you know, people say that it, like, it's the least professional thing you've ever seen. And like, there have been a lot of comments regarding him. Like, there, there have been people with, that have, that have done like criminal, like, acts, like felonies while they played sports. So to put what he did, um, right. in the same category as that, I think is absurd. I, I also, while I don't love the way he did this, um, he's a player in a league with very little control with with a league in a league where players have very little control who was able to to some degree you know dictate you know terms like he was able to get out of uh Pittsburgh he didn't want to be there right you know how often do you see this in the NFL where a player works his way out of out of the Steelers organization um gets to Oakland doesn't really like the way it's going there is able to dictate terms to some degree like he lost the money right. but then he's able to wind up on the Patriots like there's a part of me, while I don't, you know, I don't love the way it played out. There's a part of me, like, it's like, hey, man, like, teams do this all the time. Yeah. Teams do it all the time to players, and nobody ever has a beef. Like, they, they cut you, they move you, they'll, they'll tell you to restructure you. They'll do you however they want to do you, and no one ever cares. No one has ever sat back and said, hey, that's a damn shame they did Danny Cannell like that. Right. They don't give a damn. <laughs> right. They don't. And then a player's out there, like, doing whatever he's doing orchestrating it if he did to get where he wants to go, there's a part of me that does not have a beef. I and wonder, I'm really conflicted because I I thought he acted like a child. Right, he did. But he it, acted like a complete fool. People were legitimately saying, I think he has mental health issues. And the bottom line, he got what he wanted, which was out in the end. Whether it was only a 48-hour window, whether right. it was a two-week window, or whether it was an entire offseason, 
He ended up on a Super Bowl contending team, which are the clear favorites to win the Super Bowl now, playing with the greatest coach and quarterback of all time. I am curious to see, of course, like everybody else, how does this work? Does he all of a sudden just fall in line? Right. But oh, he will. Oh, no, he will. So now I want. He's wonder, got no choice, Danny. But see, here's no what I wonder. You mentioned this. I wonder if other players are looking at this saying, huh. it worked. It worked. Wait, what can I do now? Because coaches, you can say trade me and you can sit at home and you can, you know, not be getting paid yeah. or you can become a cancer in the locker room and they're saying, all right, we're not only not paying you, but you're screwing up our team. Yeah. And then they'll now have to cut you. you. And so what are you going to do there? So if this works, I think you are going to see other players knock it off and try to do the same thing if well, they're unhappy. It's only a certain, like, it's a rare, it's an, it's the elite of the elite players that are going to be able to get away with that. Same you're, like you're, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott's like, one of the best running backs in the league. He can hold yeah. out and he's going to get paid. So you got to be careful. I would caution the average Joe, uh, <laughs> NFL player exactly. <laughs> against doing that. Don't yes. run in there and start, yeah. <laughs> or else he will get blackballed across the league. Correct. Everybody Correct. say, oh, he can't do that to his team. So it is a very unique situation. I, I do believe that he's going to be really good, uh, at least for a short amount of time. There is a shelf life. Let make no mistake. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to ride out his career as, with, as, the, as a Patriot and all is going to be like fine. But I think this year, because he has so much to lose, this is the last stop. This is the last shot. Um, and it's an organization where you've got, you know, real stable, uh, people and, and real, um, uh, culture already yeah. established. I think he'll be good. And he's already out there taking pictures with, yeah. uh, with Tom Brady. They well, look like happy. They're all thumbs up. <laughs> Everybody's smiling. Of course they are now. More details came out on the incentives and in Antonio Brown's deal. So he gets $1 million fully guaranteed base salary. Mm -hmm. He gets a $9 million signing bonus, $5 million now. But here's the question in the parentheses, yeah. 5 million now, 4 million later. What does that mean? Okay. I don't know a hundred percent. Maybe it's just for tax purposes. They maybe. push it to 2020. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's more incentive for him to fall in line, but the $1.5 million for the not, not likely to be earned incentives. There's. A few of them. There's 105 catches. If he gets over, that's 1.5. If he goes over 1,298 yards, that's 1.5. If he goes over 16 touchdowns, that's 1.5. The thing I find kind that's of That's not happening. So here, I think it is. So they're called not, not likely to be earned. Yeah. I think two of them are likely to be earned, which is a way to skirt the salary cap. Right. But like typically... And these were in my contract and a little bit more laugh out loud when you think about what they were with me. Right. Cause I got my one contract with the Giants where I was the starter and it was a pretty nice deal. The not likely to be earned incentives for me was MVP of the NFL, right. lead the NFL in passing, yeah. you know, and like Pro Bowl starter. Like those were the definition right. of not likely to be earned. Like those were the <laughs> yeah. very definition of yeah. it. Antonio Brown, the 1298 yards, he's had, tw he's had really close in the last Six seasons since 2013. He's had 1499, 1698, his career high, 1800 yards, 1284 yards in 2016, 1533 yards in 2017, and 1297 last year without playing the final game. I think right. he's going to get that. The receptions, I think he'll get that one. He's always been around 104 clearly or cleared that number i think he gets those two the 16 touchdowns are probably going to be the hardest right you know what else i think i think tom brady is a very smart man i think he'll make sure he gets I think he's gonna get him fed i think towards the end hey. i think the receptions is probably the easiest one they throw it so many times they're not as worried about the run game right they're not using a tight end yeah so they're gonna have a lot of receivers 
I think he's going to get two out of the three. Yeah. And good for him for doing it. But I also think late in that year, I think Tom Brady will, if that's one way to keep him happy, hey man, let's get your numbers. That would be you an, know? that would be a very interesting watch. That I, I, I was skeptical about the 105 and 1298, uh, just on face value. But when you go down his numbers and, and, you know, you factor in that they are going to throw it, uh, with a higher, you know, percentage of, of, of times than, than most teams do and they don't have the tight end. I can see that. The 16 yeah. TDs for me. That's is the one where I didn't think he would get it, but it will be really interesting to tune in down the stretch if he's hovering around like 13, 12 going yep. into to see if those balls start to get forced. You know what I mean? It'd right. And I don't think they'll sacrifice winning. Clearly no, they no, won't, no, no. but I could also see the Patriots playing the Dolphins. I don't know when they play the Dolphins. They play them I, this week and they play them late. What happens if they play in week 16? They've already got a division locked up. They're resting everybody. Antonio Brown's sitting at 15 touchdowns. I think they're sitting everybody. I think they he, roll I, him out there. Well, I think they might even let him call it. Say, "Hey, what do you want to do?" You know, I don't I could see that. No, but I mean that's going to that's where it's going to get little things. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Last game of the season, uh Patriots Dolphins at home. There will be a snitch. They don't need them to play against the Dolphins. The Dolphins are tanking. <laughs> that would be one where they just say, "Let's get let's get you know, it be a good way to Every get it cracking." Every pass goes to Antonio Brown. You could pencil in four of them for him this weekend against the Dolphins, right? Absolutely. Like, go ahead and get him on the board, get him started. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Get him a head start on the way there. Um, all right, so let's go to back to the actual football because we had the Raiders yeah. one last night. We also had a fantastic game between the Saints-Texans. I thought we got spoiled. It was epic. I thought you saw outstanding quarterback play on both parts. You saw, you know, Drew Brees, one of the greatest towards the twilight of his career. Deshaun Watson coming yeah. to his own, making a case for why he should be in the conversation for MVP. If I was you... Raja Bell and I had young boys who play football and one of them plays quarterback. Yeah. I would say watch not only how Deshaun Watson plays the game, but how he handles himself, right. how he prepares, how he goes about his business. I think he is the model quarterback for what the NFL is becoming. I love the way he plays the game. Which begs the question, I did. My son, I had put him to sleep. Uh, he had done his push-ups, done his homework, and I pulled him out of bed to watch like the last couple drives with me yeah. to watch. Um, this was a question I was left like wondering. How do you take Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson? <laughs> like, How do you do that? Question. Patrick Mahomes, I got it. Like, yep. You didn't really know what that was. Yep. You know what I mean? You got him. But that dude had won. Like, He had been in the national championship game. Twice, right? Yep. Like he had won he one. Had dominated was, like, Bama. How do, how do you? I don't, I have no idea. I was, Deshaun Watson was number one on my board. What I thought was NFL teams are overthinking this. Right. Kind of like Baker Mayfield, his comments on Daniel Jones. Right, right, right. Remember he said, hey, look, they don't take in wins, losses. They overthink things. I think they overthought it. I, if I was a coach, I would always put in, how do you play against the best competition? Like, I don't care what you're doing at Clemson when you're blowing out Wake Forest. Correct. What do you do against Alabama? He had eight touchdowns and one interception in those two, not one he won, one he lost yep. against, but it wasn't his fault when they lost. He was dominant in those games, took over them. I, I don't understand what they were. Th I don't understand what teams were thinking when they let him drop that pass. And if you put him next to Mitch Trubisky, it was not even close. Whether it was on film or even throwing in practice, I did say that. That that was, that was what I was left wondering last night. And then the other question I had, I want to ask you, is a very real thing. Is there any potential that he winds up like Andrew Luck to some degree? Like, I mean, he. How can you not protect him? It, this is two years now, yep. right? Like, how could you really, not? It's been it? his whole career. They've never done an outstanding job of protecting him. But last year, he had one of the worst offensive lines in football. And I don't, 
when you say, will he become the Andrew Luck? I say, yes, it's already happening before your eyes. And not that he retires and quits like Andrew Luck did, but he's just, but that he gets banged up and it sabotages his career. Because even last night, before the last drive of the game, he's out there massaging his back because he was getting destroyed. Six sacks. I will say this. The last two balls that he threw. He was getting drilled. Drilled. That threw the touchdown pass he made to put them up. We sound like we're talking to Sean Watson like they won. We know that they lost. We'll get to that. But he, that's one of the things I love about him. He is one of the toughest quarterbacks you get. Last year, Think about this. He couldn't fly with the team because he has a lung issue, so he takes a bus and still plays. Right, right, like, right. That's right. craziness. That's deep. that's deep. But here's the one thing I will say. Laramie Tunsil was playing. They traded for him for the Dolphins. Maybe he's still getting comfortable in the scheme, his guard next to him. But they have to do a better job or else they will sabotage his career and derail it the same way the Colts did with Andrew Luck because you do not want – Andrew Luck said the reason he retired was the cycle of uh injury – Pain, rehab. rehab, injury, pain, rehab. Deshaun Watson is kind of in that cycle, and you better get him out in a hurry yeah. before it's too late and you've damaged somebody permanently for the rest of their career. Let me ask you another question. <clears throat> if you slide in the NFL, you have surrendered. The whistle blows, correct? Yes, yes. So you have if, to slide feet first. Feet first. You dive, they can So tackle. here's my question. Yep. Why would you down him if you were a defender? There were two seconds left. He did not slide. He caught a ball and basically kind of rolled forward. If you're not, why, why the play's not dead? Oh, you're talking about the last, the play, last the play of the game. Why, yeah. why down him? If you're, That's a good if you're the defender there, why touch him? That's a great because question. Because a referee's job isn't to blow it dead immediately. There is something where there is a surrender rule for the receiver where I think if you do slide, there but is. But he didn't slide. He right. caught the ball and, and he, he just, and he just. I think there is. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I do think. If you act of surrender, but they do have to come up and touch you. That's an interesting one. Because he touched him like immediately and it was. Right. And it, well, and they had the timeout to... too, though, right? Didn't yeah, they have but, the timeout? But you're, it's not like basketball where you could call right, a timeout right, just like running down <laughs> a the quarterback running around yeah. with the ball time. <laughs> right. You can't do that. That's I, a good one. Yeah. Interesting question. I don't know the rule. I'm asking. Yeah. No, it was again, when, when they got the ball back, I think it was 35 seconds. It was like, Ugh, there's a lot of time left. And there are only a handful of quarterbacks that I would feel that way about. And Deshaun Watson is quickly entering that territory. But right. even with him, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know yet, even though he made those two incredible throws. But Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are those guys. Right. And for Drew Brees, I don't even think – it. the thing that was crazy about it to me is that last one, they didn't even make it that hard. You know, they Everybody were was so back far off. back. And yeah. it was really not that tough of a play. But, I mean, it was – I'd tell you, it was a fun thing to watch, that quarterback battle going back and forth. Saints clearly get over that hangover from the call. And the Texans, I think, too, are going to be okay. Um, but please, please start protecting Deshaun Watson. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Our buddy Jamie Eisenberg is going to help us out with all our fantasy needs. I have a question for you. Sure. Do you get annoyed by – let's say you're at your kid's – soccer game mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're trying to coach you're trying to cheer and somebody comes up to him and is like hey man what am i going to do this weekend does it get annoying for you do you ever say no i'm here to parent i'm not here to give you fantasy advice uh because no. you're a nice guy i don't picture you doing it that doesn't get annoying. i got a funny story about that though so the night that i got engaged to my wife we've been married 10 years now uh you guys all watch the show entourage i'm sure so yeah, I, yeah so i gave fantasy advice for about two years to uh, turtle to jerry ferrara yep and, power, shout out uh, power, power, uh, yeah, on, on right. power as well. And, and Jerry's a great guy, and um, this is by no means an, a negative on, on him. The night I got engaged, he was in his fantasy championship, and he, he texted me. He's like, "Hey, do you have time to talk?" And we had just got back to the hotel room. You know, we're telling all our family, 
And I said, uh, "Hey, it's uh, it's 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 Turtle. Do you mind if I go go talk to him for a minute?" She's like, "Yeah, go ahead." You know, so it's like you get it all the time, right? Constantly. I mean, I'm sure you guys do. I'm sure you get basketball questions, you get football sure. questions, I get fancy questions. It's just the nature of the beast. Jerry Ferrer is a super fan. Like he is a diehard sports fan, big Giants fan. Yeah, yeah. big Giants fan. I actually got into it a little bit with him. No, I shouldn't say with him. I'm surprised. It was on that. Twitter. That's, that's no, odd. no, on Twitter. Like this is something. like no, no, no. This is funny. This is like <laughs> seven or eight years ago, and I see this all the time. Like there was a Giants game and it wasn't going well, and somebody said we need to we need to get rid of Eli Manning, and he tweeted something to the effect like, "Well, do you remember when we had Canell? How bad it was? Like you want to go back to those?" So I called him out, and he actually came back and he was like really I think he felt awful because no, he is, and it was really funny because he like was apologetic, but it was pretty funny uh, when it happened, and we're good, we're good like that. Uh, all right, do you want to do you want to tee him up for your team, or should we go? No, no, just go. Just all right, you don't want to hijack the statement. Yeah, I don't want to take it over yet. All right, a lot of questions. But all right, so the Raiders played last night. You saw Josh Jackson, who had a lot of expectations. I think I had him as the rookie of the year pick. I really liked him when he was at Bama. You're, but, you're dropping the bat, Josh Jacobs. Oh, he's the one that should be saying Josh Jackson. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Duh. Uh, Josh Jacobs in that one. Um, but you also had Terrell Williams, Darren Waller. They did have some other guys that came to play that people might not have on their roster. Do you see any value in some of these guys a little bit further than Josh Jacobs? Well, yeah, I mean, Tyrell Williams and, and Darren Waller. Williams, we were kind of you know talking about all offseason. Uh, our, our buddy Heath Cummings was uh, infatuated with Williams along with Antonio Brown. And then the minute that this Antonio Brown saga became a reality and they were getting rid of him, Williams was a must-add guy. And I'm surprised his ownership is still only below 80% because he's a guy that you could see here has a chance to be successful. And in a game next week against the Chiefs where they're probably chasing points, you're going to get another big game out of him. And then for Waller, uh, Dave Richard, our, our other buddy, um, this has been kind of his big sleeper to, to target. And you see the production here. He takes over for Jared Cook. Uh, and again, without Antonio Brown, those targets are now available for him. So if you're getting seven targets for Williams, eight targets for Waller, it's going to be a good situation for both guys. Okay. So one of my, my young, my middle son, uh, his team did not fare so well. He had Bay, started Baker mm-hmm. last week. Um, going forward, probably going to get better, but he had a chance to pick up Lamar Jackson off of waivers. Should he do it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be one of those guys. You know, one thing we've been talking about quite a bit is, can he sort of redefine the quarterback position from a scoring standpoint, fantasy scoring standpoint? And you think about Michael Vick, you think about, you know, Colin Kaepernick, Tim Tebow, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ranging the gamut here of great to, you know, guys that should, should, should probably never have been in the league in some cases. But um, the running ability that these quarterbacks have on top of what they could do as passers, and if he's going to be this, now again, you're not going to get 305. Yep. My kind of stat line for him on a very, very optimistic side of things was 230-2, and 60-1. And, and I think that's realistic from him when everything is going right. Now, this is everything is going right against me playing defense. <laughs> you know, so right. if, if he gets these type of opportunities and he takes advantage of it, then he could be a star. So I think Baker, over the course of 16 games, will probably outscore him. Right. At least that's the hope for the people that drafted Baker. But again, this kid, especially if it's four points for passing touchdowns as opposed to six, where the rushing benefits you even more, he's going to be really, really good. Jameis Winston is always a guy that I think entices fantasy owners every offseason. When they bring in Bruce Arians, they're thinking, hey, quarterback whisperer, this could be it. And yet we saw the same Jameis Winston that makes a lot of boneheaded throws, three picks in that game. What's your panic level around Jameis in this Bucks? I'm not too panicked. Uh, I'm actually going to uh, what you guys ended at 11 o'clock. Um, I'm going to talk to Carson Palmer uh, at about 11.05 uh, to find out you know, how long it took him to grasp the Bruce Arians offense. And that's something I think you have to take a, into account is that 
you know, Jameis has been through a lot of systems now. And, you know, basically two last year because Todd Monken and Dirk Cutter, you know, shuffling back and forth of who's the play caller. So I, I was hopeful for him. I'm still hopeful for him. Uh, there's a slight panic. But I also wonder, Danny and, and, and Roger, you guys have been in locker rooms. That stomach bug that hit them right before the start of the week or in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. How you know Mike Evans is throwing up on the sidelines. He's yeah, his number one receiver, OJ Howard, who knows how healthy he was. You know, it, it could have been something that everything just kind of got thrown out of whack because the 49ers defense is not good. And if this is going to be the Jameis that we see, then it's going to be a big, big problem. But hopefully they're healthy and they can sort of you know bounce back. Doesn't necessarily help that it's a short week though against Carolina on Thursday. Uh, so Nick Foles goes down, broken collarbone. Um, Gardner Minshew. Steps in and goes twenty two for twenty five. Is that is that a name that people should be looking at, uh, possibly scooping up? But only in two quarterback leagues. Yeah. Uh, I, I know this is new for you. you know, yeah, no, this is all. Um, so there are leagues where you play a, a second quarterback. Uh, you can either call them two quarterback leagues or they're super flex leagues. Okay, where you can have the option of playing a second quarterback, and this is where Minshew comes into play because. It's such a deep position. You know, I, I think if Danny got signed today, he can go back and put up <laughs> probably 20 fantasy points just given how the rules are. Um, I want to see him in a competitive game from the standpoint of where he's not playing a defense that's taking their foot off the gas and clearly not prepared for him. You know how defenses are. They're going to be ready for him and, and have a different game plan. It's going to be interesting to see how he goes. But he's, he's, he's not a bad quarterback. You know, everybody looks at the Jaguars quarterback situation and says, oh, Nick Foles, he stinks. Now the guy behind Nick Foles, he has to stink. This guy actually showed some things, and the receiving core played really well. So uh, two quarterback leagues is where you talk it's about. It's a okay. very unique situation. I always played pretty well coming off the bench. You don't have time to think about it. You're just thrown in there. You start going. The defense might have been prepping. I'm sure they did all for Nick Foles. They don't know what you're going to give them. It's a whole other thing, not only defensively, what the defense is going to do to scheme up for you as a young quarterback, but also how you handle the moment, the nerves, the uh, like energy dealing with the media. It's all, it's a whole different animal. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what Gardner Minshew does. Uh, Joey, what you got? You want to chime in? Yeah, Jamie. So, well, two things. I do have a Gardner Minshew question, but first I want to congratulate you because we have, we have a ranking on this show. It's called the name drop rankings. Okay. And, uh, Danny and Raja, they both sort of they go back and forth at who's at the top, but you have taken the top spot with not only the turtle name drop, but then the Carson Palmer name drop as well. Right. Um, <laughs> here's my question. So I'm in a ten team two quarterback league. We start two quarterbacks. My starting my my QBs are Lamar and Jameis, actually. Um, but I have Nick Foles on my bench, and we have this thing, I've never seen it before, where it's we have a budget for waivers, so I have a, a hundred bucks for the season. Mm-hmm. How much do you bid? Like, what do I bid for Gardner Minshew now that Foles is out? So is every quarterback taken? That'd be my first question. Cause if he's yeah, there's, there's no one out there. There's no yeah, one. I'm, I'm in a similar situation as well where I only have two guys also. I won't say their names, so I don't name drop. But um, <laughs> uh, I think with Minshew, you know, um, in a 10-team league, there are not going to be a lot of guys probably clamoring for some of the waiver guys that we talk about. You may have some higher-end guys like TJ Hawkinson may be available. You know, uh, uh, Tyrell Williams may be available. But I, I, in, your, in your situation, Somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty to twenty-one dollars, uh, twenty-one fab points, depending on how you you know ex- explain it. I, I I think he's gonna you know be decent n- enough that you could start him. Uh, we talked panic about Jameis Winston. The Steelers, I think, are, are under. A, I liked them this season, but I do think if they don't live up to expectations, they could be some pressure on Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. Clearly, but what's your panic level about the lack of production that you saw across the board? James Conner, um, Juju didn't exactly go off. Ben had a rough game too. What's your 
kind of take away from that first performance? Gonna give it one more week before I panic because <laughs> the Steelers at home versus the Steelers on the road. Ben Roethlisberger's home road splits have just been dramatic over his career. And look, he went into the the buzzsaw. I mean, you know, I, I think we're gonna probably see a situation where New England could challenge to be undefeated again. <laughs> now that their offense is gonna add Antonio Brown. Um, it was it was a little troubling that they didn't score more. You know, three points is is always bad for a team that has these level this level of stars. The troubling thing, though, I think, is these guys will be fine. It's the who's replacing Antonio Brown conversation. Vance McDonald didn't have the targets until the end. Dante Moncrief dropped everything in sight. James Washington, I don't think, is ready yet for that moment. So uh, that was more of a problem for me was seeing those that that role not get filled with some semblance of okay, I could build off this. And I didn't see that coming out of that game. Awesome stuff, Jamie. Appreciate it. Award-winning Fantasy Football Today podcast for all your fantasy need. Award-winning host. I mean, you guys are crushing it. So make sure you Thank go you. check them out. As and we're going to steal you. I think we're going to try to do this weekly. I don't know if you're aware of that. I, I am aware. I'm aware. <laughs> all right. So Joey, you just Joey, added Joey, that. Joey, I know the budget's not exactly deep, so I don't know what we can compensate you for well, that. Well, yes. Joey, and make sure, make sure you come with the name drops because the is, rankings, they get competitive. So. Yeah. This, yeah. Is fluid. This, is, this is just to help Joey's fantasy team. That's what <laughs> I think so, we get every Tuesday, you can fix my rosters. Awesome. Good stuff as always. Welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. Yesterday, we got bogged down with a lot of NFL because it was such a big weekend. We've covered that today, but we didn't really get a chance to dive in much further than the LSU-Texas game, so we want to do that now. We'll talk about a 1-1 team and an 0-2 team. <laughs> one of them is 1-1 one one at 500, which I say is a better position to yeah, be in than 0-2. Not sure. <laughs> My Florida State Seminoles are sitting at 1-1. One one. You would never know it based on their fan base, or at least the people that are blowing me up on social media, saying, I mean, during the game, I was at Texas LSU and I'm seeing my phone starts buzzing. And I'm checking. I'm checking the score. I'm texting with Joey because Joey's a Florida State guy. And I'm like, I can't, my phone service wasn't that good. But I'm having people during the game mm-hmm. saying, Willie's got to go. Willie's got to go. I'm like, the game's not even over yet. We yep. haven't lost. I'm like, so I'm just ignoring all these idiots that are out there saying this stuff. Um, Joey's like, this doesn't look good. Like, I don't know what's happening. Finally, we get the win in overtime versus a team that they were 22 and a half point favorites in Louisiana Monroe due to a missed extra point. Um, it wasn't pretty. I do think it is becoming, it's hard to defend somebody when you're losing and blowing leads when you're having these types of games versus Louisiana Monroe, who you clearly have more talent on the field. I will still say this. You can express your concerns. They are valid. Some clock management issues throughout the game. But this is a process. This team is not championship ready. Not for the ACC. And don't even think about the national championship this year. So my thing is, why do we have so much negativity? What good does it do? My advice to Florida State fans would be, Get off your phones and stop texting people, complaining on social media. How about going to the game? Because it was an atrocious atmosphere. There was nobody there, and it was the least surprising thing I've seen. But take all that negativity and set it aside and throw some positive energy in there because, to me, it doesn't do any good at this point in the season. Even if they had lost, you're not going to fire Willie Taggart now. So, And I get it. I understand it. It sucks. Nobody likes to lose, but what good does it do? I don't know what good it does. I think it just keeps people uh, occupied to some degree. I said it yesterday. I I was I watched the end of that game, like, and I saw the score, and like I like Willie Taggart. He's on the show. Like I don't I I, I think that he was put 
in his dream job, but the cupboards were left bare by Jimbo to some degree. Yep. And so it's going to be a building process. Unfortunately, I don't know that Willie Tiger is going to be afforded the opportunity to do that. Right. After this weekend, I really felt like that game sealed his fate, barring them they need a running mass, the table. They need a win this weekend. They, they just, they, first of all, they need to get a win. Well, they need to get a win, but I think overall – they have to pretty much run the table. Maybe one loss to another good team. I don't know what their schedule looks like. Right. Win out and compete for whatever side of the ACC you are in. Right. Anything short of that. And I think, unfortunately, those first two games coming off of last year have sealed his fate. Surely hasn't helped it. Uh, their athletic director said before the season, Willie be, will be back for his third year without question. Uh, he backed him before They the say season. stuff all the time. I, I hear you. Um Financially, they probably can't afford to do it. Although, if things got drastic, if it was three and nine, two and ten, I think you could see a situation where everybody would say, "All right, this just isn't working." I would just say, let it play out. Uh, it's you know, it's really so. He went to Oregon; that was his first stop at a Power Five program. Yep. It was okay. Then he comes to Florida State. He's still new to a Power Five job, right? When you're at Western Kentucky and South Florida, those aren't exactly pressure cookers. So there's not as much pressure on you. There's not um, this focal point. So he still is a very young, inexperienced coach as far as the Power Five goes. It's going to be a process. But th- my thing that's is— That's not the FSU job, That's not I know, FSU but, job, but, though. Um, no. That's not FSU's fan base. Like that's not that's not what that's not what. But they're not going to get Urban Meyer. You're not going to get. I agree. It's not a learning ground job. You were right. It's not a learning job job. But now that you've got Willie Taggart in this position, we all admit he does have to continue to grow as a head coach. But if you're letting him grow, why are you going to cut off that process before it even allows to happen? I'm going to give you. I'm going to read you some records. I'm with you. There. All right. I know. There's another coach. I'm going to give you an example because I hear all these people all the time. I'm going to give another coach. Younger in his tenure, he'd coach at some other lower level programs. Then he gets a job at a Big Ten school, Power Five. It's his first opportunity. Mm-hmm. First four years, he goes six, five, and one, six and six in his second year, seven and five in his third year, six and six in his fourth year. So you've only had one season with a winning record of 500 and a, you know, just barely above. So around six and six, you've been averaging for four years. Yeah. Fifth year goes nine and two, then parlays it into another bigger job, and the rest is history. That coach, Nick Saban, when he was at Michigan State, was average as it gets. Yeah. You know what? It finally, that fifth year, it clicked. He goes nine and two, parlays that into LSU, goes to LSU, wins a championship, goes to Dolphins, goes back to Bama, becomes one of the greatest coaches of our generation. What would have happened if in year two, when Michigan State was what year, one and what one. year was that? 95, 96, it's a different, 97. It's a different era. It's a different time. It was a different, it was a well, different level of patience that were afforded. Because the, the coaches. money, you think? Uh, maybe. Yeah. But I, I just know that to be a real thing. Like coaches used to stay around, man. Like these jobs are so big and it probably, I'll the give money. you one a little bit more current. Yeah. And this is one where at Clemson, Dabo Swinney was given the interim head coach job before he took over as head, right. as head coach at Clemson. There was a couple years, though, early in his tenure where they were okay. They weren't great. I don't know the exact records in front of me. But Clemson fans said, we can do better than Dabo Sweeney. They wanted him out. And you know what he did to save his job? He made changes at coordinators. He brought in Brent Venables. And he brought in Chad Morris, and the rest is history. Those dudes took over. That's why I was excited to see Kendall Bryles take over the offense. I think he is an innovative mind. They've put up a lot of points. Now, defensively, they're having some troubles. 
But I think let Willie Taggart figure this out. Have some patience. Two years is not enough time. You are an expansion franchise when you start over at head coach. I don't want to get in the cycle. No offense to the Hurricanes. Sure. They're in the cycle of, oh, man, they panic too early. You make a change. And it goes from Randy Shannon, Al Golden, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Mark Richt. Oh, and right. no, but you like, it's this <laughs> churn. Yeah, no, you were right. Setting yourself back every time you make a change. I, I hope two things. I hope that Willie Taggart is the guy mm-hmm. that you're, that you're describing. And I hope that Florida State affords him the opportunity to do that. What I would say playing devil's advocate to the Clemson thing, uh, with Dabo is Clemson wasn't a, a national power type of expectation team. They weren't a national championship expecting program year in and year out when Dabo got the job, right? So the fan base wasn't as antsy, wasn't as expecting. They weren't as feverish for good football. Florida State, when you drop into that, there is a level of, of like, uh, of, of responsibility to win now, whether that is well, this is whether, what I've been telling that's, Miami fans. You're not there either. You're not there. Well, no, yeah. Whether Florida that's State, realistic not or not. So, but right. I hope he's afforded the time. I just let, I felt in my gut watching that. Yeah. And hearing what everyone's saying that, damn, that could have been the, the sealer. I, I hope they run the table. Yeah. I mean, except when they play Miami. <laughs> no, I hear you. <laughs> and that, but the negativity starts to snowball. Yeah. And that's what I hate to see happen. Cause it's, and, and the thing that drives me nuts is you see fans who, have been saying midway through last season, Willie Tiger's not the guy, and they want to be right. So they start rooting for the program to fail so they can get their way. That, right. to me, does nobody any good. So we'll have to see how it plays out. North Carolina, on the other hand, is probably the best story in the ACC. Mac Brown takes over. Expectations are low. They were a two-win team last year. They beat your Hurricanes by a true freshman at quarterback. He's a gangster. Out. He's a gangster. He is. I, he is. You know the story behind him. No. He was supposed to go to Florida State. Was he, he really? Was committed to Florida State. Oh, Mac Brown stole him from us. Hey, My guy Mac, that was the one thing I wasn't happy about. <laughs> he steals him from Florida State, goes out there, starts him as a true freshman, back-to-back wins. There's a lot of enthusiasm. And it's the absolute opposite of what's happening in Florida State. All this negativity, bringing the program down. They have positivity. They have excitement. There's packed houses. Mm-hmm. They're going there. I think this could be the surprise team of the ACC. We have to see how it goes on the road against Wake Forest. Yep. They're still young. They're still not the talented. But the positivity is bringing results the same way that negativity brings negative results. I don't understand it. You worried about your Canes? I'm, re- I'm really worried about the Hurricanes, man. I just uh, – look, the bright spot for me was uh, Jaron Williams. I thought I thought he played a lot better than he did in the Florida game. Um, you know, we had the lead. They had the ball. Our de- what concerns me is – Manny has taken over as the head coach, and our defense seems to have taken a step back. Like, do you know what I mean? So, you know, if you've got too much on your plate to really be hands-on on that defense, and the defense is what was really carrying us, then we've just flipped for offense for defense, and we're still not very good. Right. It's a concern. So, yeah, I'm really worried about One that. One good news I saw is Jared Williams. I like the progress he made yeah. from week one to week two. Absolutely. Thought he looked way more comfortable. Danny knows who crushed him after week one said we have to get better. His play was disappointing. Uh, he responded to that criticism, yeah, which I think is a really good thing for Miami. And I think it also remains to be seen. Like, we're sitting here, and if you're a Miami fan, you're like, man, we how could we lose to North Carolina? The same way Florida State fans last year were like, how could we lose to Syracuse? Syracuse went on to win 10 games. They were a really good football team last year. Let's see how North Carolina is. They've been a good team. Maybe they're a team that comes out of nowhere. And at the end of the season, you're like, it wasn't that bad of a loss. So I think it's time again for uh, for them to praise patience there. Um, Texas LSU last weekend. Texas comes up short. LSU gets the win. On the field, LSU had players cramping left and right, so much so that the Texas fans were booing injured players because they were 
accusing LSU of faking injuries to slow, the to game slow down. down their uh, up-tempo offense. Mm-hmm. So that was a big point of contention. Tom Herman was asked about it. He was like, I don't know. You'll have to ask them. Like, you could right, tell right, he was yeah. bothered by it. So you know what Ed Ogeron comes back with? He says, oh, we were cramping because we didn't have AC in the visitor's locker room. So it was hot. It was 100 degrees. Then we don't have AC. So our players clearly are going to cramp because it's hot. Um, this is fascinating to me. Uh, Texas, That's really interesting. Well, yeah. Texas's AD and school president came back to this is the first time we've ever been alerted to this issue. Meanwhile, Ed Ozeron said Louisiana Tech last week didn't have AC. It has always been a point of... I don't know, gamesmanship, if you want yeah, to use is. that term, term, that you mess with your visitors. Florida State paints the locker room, the visiting locker room pink. Yeah. Like you want them to like be soft or whatever the philosophy is there. Don't right. make them comfortable. They're not going to give you the nice digs. Like all this money that's flowing into universities to make these massive, you know, waterfalls in the locker rooms with playstations in their lockers. That, they're, yeah, they're not doing that They're for not the going to do that for the visitors. Right. But if there's any truth in this, and I don't know, you're going to have to see some some policies starting to be implemented where Absolutely. you're going to have basic human needs Correct. met because this comes a health issue. Yes, having my digs not be as good as yours as the home team is one thing. Not providing basic like, you know, necessities like air <laughs> yes. condition when it's 100. I was just in Austin. Like it is hot as hell. Like not having AC for a room of what? What is it? Like 60, oh, 70 no, guys? Oh, no, 95, 95 yeah. Sweating and, and all crammed into a little locker room is a health risk. Um, and that's really interesting because, you know, I wouldn't put, I've always said this, like in terms of like paying players and doing what you need to do to get an advantage at, at, at the collegiate level. I wouldn't put anything past anybody. No, I oh, wouldn't either. If if La Tech says it happened, and yeah, Louisiana LSU Tech supposedly it. tipped off LSU, home you know home state. Look yeah. out for your guys. They said bring some blowers because it was hot in there. Now Here's, it would be interesting to know if if they turn the AC off, which right. I think remember the Spurs it, did the it to the Heat, correct? Yeah, because they had LeBron cramping. If, I'm a conspiracy. If you theorist. did that, or if you just got shoddy AC where the room gets so hot, the AC has no real effect on it, which right. is still, you need to take care of that. Uh, they definitely need to care because that was my one thing. I was like, all right, this is, you know, teams are going back and forth. I did give tennis, uh, Texas a little bit of leeway for me personally. I know like my house is older here in Florida, yeah. uh, upstairs in the summer, it takes forever to cool down. And if we had a hundred people Andy, in there, you, the heat would be impossible to you cool don't down. think, but still Texas is complicit because oh no, they can fix you, it. You know, damn well, it. I'm too cheap. You know, no, I know, <laughs> but you know, damn well, that room is hot. You know, it don't cool well. Right. right? And you've said, I'm not fixing it. Right. So, Texas, there's no way this is catching you off guard. If in fact you have a shoddy AC and it doesn't cool that if you're Texas, you said, you know what? We're cool with that. Yeah. Which still puts you on the hook for, for what they're accusing you of doing. Well, you can tell. Because the I air. bet there's AC in their damn locker room. <laughs> oh, they're absolutely. And it they're comfortable. Probably, they probably have robes on. They're right. cold. Um, the most uncomfortable thing I ever saw was not a heat issue, not a cold issue. I've had cold showers in yeah. locker rooms. Oh, that's that was worst. not the most uncomfortable. Most uncomfortable the Kansas City Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium. They only have six. So they have urinals where you can go to the bathroom. Right. Totally comfortable. Everybody's used to that. They have six stalls. That if you have to go number two, yeah. that you can go in there. But guess what's missing on those Doors. six stalls? How uncomfortable is that? Doors. Like, I don't want to have to sit. There's nothing yeah. humiliating. Doors, like, having bro. to go number two <laughs> when all these dudes are walking by like, hey, what's hey. up? You ready for the game? Hey. While you're sitting there, just out there in the most humbling position out there. That drove me nuts. I'll take heat all day. I'll take cold showers. Just give me a door so I can go in private. When I, I, that's hilarious. I went to play in Europe after my stint in, in uh, Philly. I went for like a month or so. 
And I remember we were in we were in France somewhere for a preseason tournament, and I went in the locker room and I had eaten like a pregame meal, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey man, I'm not feeling great. Like I needed to you know do something before I get on the court." One stall, no door, <laughs> right in the locker room though. Like not even it's yeah, not even separate private. room in the locker room with the sinks. I mean, I played with the worst stomach ache that night. I was like, I just <laughs> there's no way right. I can, it's, it's, it's not the happening. Most humbling, yeah. humiliating yeah, thing out ridiculous. there. You gotta like figure out, put a towel, make yeah. sure something up there. <laughs> All right, a couple quick stories we want to finish out with on uh, Canel and Bell. Enos Cantor was in Madison Square Garden for a WWE event, yep. and uh, he actually won the title for a split second. So this is as a deal where you can win the title, anyone you want, if you can get the belt. <laughs> and so watch, there is a referee on location. So all he has to do is snatch the belt, and he right. becomes the champion. So as you watch, look at oh, boom, one hand slap down. Gets, oh. oh, pins him, gets him down. Fantastic. And then watch, he actually gets the belt. And of course, playing in the garden, used to play there, but they don't care. Look what he drops on him. Celtics jersey, the the ultimate heel. Okay, so he's had the belt. He's the champ. But how? (laughs) I know, he's got the double cobra. What? Just talking all this is this would be my dream to be able to like play a role in WWE and go out there and get Oh, oh. but he gets it taken back. Oh, he got the but legs like, kicking. Yes. <laughs> he loses the belt, surrenders it back. That's awesome. I love it. And canter. He, have you been watching any WWE? Have you been up to like a Monday Night Raw or any of these events? I mean with your kids, they don't stop, no. I never got into it ever in my life. Um, the other thing that Nike came out with was they reportedly have a policy. They do not want their players to wear the headbands that they're wearing on the court, which I think is a good call. Um, I hated those headbands. I think it's an NBA policy, though, because I don't oh, know how Nike could actually make the policy. What I think happened is the NBA said we're not going to do it anymore. <laughs> right. And then Nike just stopped making them. I always wondered, and I know it's going to sound silly, but the tails of those things – if you're running by, and it, not only that, but like if I'm guarding you and one of those whips up and hits me in the eye, like that's a, that's a real thing. You know, yeah. the tails are hanging like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten inches off you. If one of those things is flailing and it clips somebody like in the in the eye, um, I don't know why the NBA said no to him. I never really liked them, though. Right. I think it's just kind of that they don't want something. That, like, I know they want guys kind of be uniform to have the same thing. One of the but other you can still ones. wear headbands. Right. Yeah, it is, a, it is interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it is a safety issue because yeah. if it did hit you in the eyeball or something like Good. that, I, mean, I don't know. Who knows what's going on? But clearly they don't like them, and you probably won't see them uh, in the near future anytime soon. Um, I don't know. That's a wrap for us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to have Shoe Showdown. I'm just warning you right now. Don't bring your A game because you have zero chance of winning tomorrow. You're bringing the Cactus got- Jacks back. <laughs> Maybe. You're bringing them out for the I'm second week in a row. I'm toes, but I'm telling you, I'm bringing some serious heat tomorrow, so don't even bring them. So like, we talked about LSU right. didn't have AC. This yeah. room's going to be hot tomorrow because I'm bringing so much fire on my feet. It's coming tomorrow right here on Canel and Bell. Plus, we'll get to that other story about Dark Nowitzki. We'll tell you that tomorrow. See you.